Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my ancestors' graves, lies waste and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my ancestors' graves, so that I may rebuild it. Chapter... Yep, it's on. Chapter 2, 17, verses 17 through 20. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burnt. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, so that we may no longer suffer disgrace. I told them that the, that the hand of my God had been gracious upon me, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. Then they said, Let us start building. So they committed themselves to the common good. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tavi, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they mocked and ridiculed us, saying, What is this that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven is the one who will give us success, and we, his servants, are going to start building, but you have no share or claim our historic right in Jerusalem. Chapter 6, verse 16. And when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and felt greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You may be seated. We're not playing the video yet. Thanks. So Nehemiah is our character that we're thinking about today. And if you're following along, this summer, which we started last week, we are looking at various characters in the scripture from which we can look at and see you have built a solid faith and have done something from that faith. And so we can look at that. So last week, we looked at the character of God. Obviously, character of God is a little bit different than a person character. But we looked at the character of God and the people that interacted with God early on and how we might build ourselves and how we might build the kingdom based on our faith in God. And so Nehemiah is really our first, first character. And so um, you might have noticed that we were jumping around in the scriptures a little bit. Nehemiah has 13 chapters to his name. And we read a little bit from chapter 2. And then we read a little bit from chapter 6. Because I wanted to give you kind of an overarching idea of this character. But definitely homework when you go home. Read all 13 chapters. This is a fascinating character. little light bedtime reading. He was a guy who listened to God which happens a lot in the Bible, doesn't it? A guy who listened to God and was moved to do something. And then the shocking part is that he actually did it. Because most times in the Bible, it's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that, God. It's somebody else, right? But no, God says, you, Nehemiah. And perhaps you felt that way, where God called you, Luke, you, Chris, you, Claire, you, Aileen, you, I want you to do something. And so when we look at different characters in the Bible, we can see 
you, Nehemiah, were called? And what kind of faith did Nehemiah have to have in order to do such grandiose tasks that God asked Nehemiah to do? What kind of faith do we have to have in order to do such grandiose tasks that God asks us to do? And as we learned from middle school or student mission weekend, we learned that some of the tasks actually aren't so grandiose, but they make a lot of impact, don't they? Nod with me, yes. Thank you. Nehemiah did have a big task ahead of him. Perhaps you heard little snippets in the story that Nehemiah and his brave people that were with him came up to the city of Jerusalem and found it in ruins. They had been in exile, and so now they're returning, and they're like, my city is not here. It doesn't look the same. The, the city is in rubble. And so he thinks if we're going to have a proper city, if we're going to have a place that we can call home, we need to go about the business of rebuilding it. And when we go about the business of rebuilding it, of course, that's going to be hard. Some tasks are going to be easy. Some tasks are going to be very hard. Some tasks we might not have the gifts for, but the work just needs to get done. Some tasks we do have the gift for, and the work needs to get done. And so Nehemiah goes and helps rebuild the city along with all of his comrades. He's got to give them a lot of pep talks because it's a lot of hot, sweaty work in the desert. Was it hot, sweaty work sometimes? Yeah. I'll tell you the end of the story is that Nehemiah does eventually get all of the comrades together and they are able to rebuild the city and they do find a place to be. But that doesn't change the fact that when they entered the city, they found it in shambles. They found it not a livable place. They found it a place that they wouldn't necessarily want to live. They found places where it needed to be rebuilt. Flash forward 2018, here we are, middle schoolers and high schoolers and college students who have gathered together and have looked at the city of Los Angeles. And the city of Los Angeles has some places that need to be rebuilt. And so we instantly transported ourselves into the world of Nehemiah, who looked upon a city and said, where can we build? Where can we help? And so we entered into that conversation this weekend and I want our middle schoolers and high schoolers who are talking to bring up their chairs so that we can start that conversation while everyone else watches this wonderful video. Set your church on fire when this nation back change the atmosphere build your kingdom here Pray. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we may. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now.
So those are some snippets of what we experienced this weekend. We really saw God at work and God building, but we were doing quite a bit of work ourselves. So whereas God was at work, we certainly were also at work. Some of it not so fun, some of it some fun. So this is a selected panel of different participants, and we're going to ask them to introduce themselves a little bit, and we're going to dive a little bit deeper. But um, where are some places that you found... L.A. needed some rebuilding. Um, hi, I'm Hunter Petmecki, and I'm in seventh grade. During this trip, I, I observed many people experiencing homelessness. Hi, I'm Sophia Petmecki. I'm also in seventh grade. Um, after going to Highland Park this weekend, I ex we experienced a language barrier, and as a result, people were as a result of people of most people speaking Spanish were not able to communicate with the locals. Uh, hi, I'm Mecca Aaron, and uh, I am in seventh grade. And um, uh, when we were at Highland Park, we experienced a lot of like, like places that needed rebuilding. Like, mm -hmm. hello, my name is Oscar Alisi, and I'm in seventh grade. And we were, um, I experienced gentrification when we were out doing stuff in the, the streets, <laughs> uh, like. Uh, doing a simulation uh, of being homeless. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ethan Ho. Um, I'm going. I'm going to sixth grade. Um, I during the, during this um, uh, weekend, I have experienced uh, people who are having um, homelessness. Hi, my name is Clara. I'm going into ninth grade, and this week driving back and forth between places, I've experienced all the scenery and that we have a lot of like blank spaces where the fires happened. Yeah. So we use the text of Nehemiah in our thought process and our, our devotions this weekend. And so Nehemiah talks a lot about rebuilding and what needs to be rebuilt, but the ultimate goal of everybody was to work together and have a lot of teamwork. There's also a lot of things that they needed to see and listen to and understand. And for middle schoolers and high schoolers, there's a lot to learn and understand. You guys are learning all the time in school, and here you are out of school, and we put you back in a learning environment. And I think <laughs> everyone that's sitting here listening to us can also have some, some learning environment happening here. So they are hearing from your stories. So I'm glad that you're able to articulate so well. So we're going to hear from some of our specific students about some of the specific things that we did, because I think that you want to understand a little bit about what we did. And so we had a project, and um, I think it's Micah going first. Would you like to tell us about the urban encounter? 
Uh, yeah. Right up here. So uh, the urban encounter was like we went over to Highland Park and uh, we got like it's like a simulation of what it's like to be homeless, and uh, we got like a scenario on a piece of paper with like what our situation is. Like, what was your scenario? Uh, my scenario was it was this guy who um, he had like he had like two full time jobs and like he had like a house but then he got evicted because he missed rent twice and then he lost both of his jobs and so then he was sleeping in his car and then his locks broke and he got his cell phone stolen and he only had $150 and then we had like so we had a bunch of different like objectives we needed to find like we needed to like go to different stores or like fast food restaurants and like ask for jobs and like, like we got like a blister on our foot so we needed to go to a health clinic were you able to find a health clinic that was open? Uh, we found one, but it wasn't open on the weekend. Mm. So. Were you able to get some of the basic necessities that you think you would need, like water or food? We found water. We didn't. We f we, didn't f we found food, but like we barely had enough money to afford it. So we had 150. Mm -hmm. But uh, the hardest part to find was like short-term housing, because like by Highland Park, there weren't a lot of like like um, motels, like we've tried to find a homeless shelter, but we couldn't really find anything. So that was one of the few things we couldn't find. Mm -hmm. What did you see when you were walking around and looking around? Well, like we saw, we saw some like homeless people around there. And we also saw like a lot of the buildings were like old and like it's kind of like a little run down mm -hmm. a little bit. Did you see any newer buildings? Yeah, we saw like like a lot of newer buildings, like Oscar was yeah. talking about like the gentrification. Yeah. So when uh, when you saw these like new buildings, what what explains that? Do you want to go more about gentrification? You were talking about that in your intro, Oscar. Well, um, well, gentrification is basically when somebody. Uh, is in a town or there's a business in a town and it's like a small family owned business and then a larger business or new homes like condos come along and they are um, more expensive and they buy the houses and the businesses from the other people and they make it so expensive that nobody except people with a lot of money can live there. Okay, and I wanted to ask Ethan a quick question. Ethan, what is the leading cause of homelessness in Los Angeles? Um, the leading cause of homeless, homelessness is the lack of, F, of affordable housing. Yeah, a lack of affordable housing. And so um, I actually had another question for Oscar. When, um, when you see all of this sparsity happening, you see these brand new houses coming up, and then you see really old buildings, um, is this, how, how do you feel about this? Well, I mean, it kind of feels wrong because, like, it's, uh, I mean, like, people have actually, like, tried, like, living there in, like, mm -hmm. a way, and, like, that's, like, those buildings are, like, really old, and they're, like, historic. Yeah. Some of them are historic, and then, like, uh, like they just come along and demolish them. And well, stuff. are there any, I know we talked about it yesterday, are there any pros to this happening at all? Yes, there are. Um, actually... There are some pros, like um, uh, there it's safer in the neighborhood. Oh, okay. And uh, like 
like, and when you move the ha the house that you own, you could sell for a lot more money. Okay, so if you own a home there, it's really, really good for you because suddenly you have a lot more value to, to your livelihood, right? Mm-hmm. Very and Some cool. of the businesses are all about um, teaching other people how to live a little bit more sustainably, and so mm -hmm. they're actually... Um, they, they have a little bit more knowledge and education so they can help the area grow a little bit better. Yeah, and I actually had another question for you, Oscar. I know that we uh, went somewhere else that had a little bit more long-term effect in what you did. Do you want to talk about one of the organizations that we worked with? Yeah, um, we went to um, out kind of in the desertish area where it was really hot. <laughs> Santa Clarita. Santa Clarita. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And... <laughs> And we went out there and we pulled um, uh, invasive species uh, of mustard, and they it, we pulled an invasive species, um, and it made me and it helped because like because they, it, the invasive species was taking away water from the plants, so the native plants would die. And when I was doing that, I really felt a strong connection with God because I knew I was doing something important and uh, good for the environment. Yeah, that's amazing. That. Thank you. Um, I'm going to skip over to Claire because I know we, we also pulled weeds somewhere else. Can you talk about where we did that? Uh, we went to Harambe Ministries, where a uh, nice, friendly face, uh, Harlem, met us there and was talking to us about how this is a community school where kids that are um, fortunate enough to go to school there, um, they get, we basically, they had planters that they had already put there and gardens that they had just hadn't had enough time to clean out. And we cleaned it out for them, pulled all the weeds out, we trimmed the rose bushes out front and hope not to get pricked by any of the thorns. <laughs> and, um, and then um, we also learned that the kids that we plant, the vegetables we planted, or the fruits, the strawberries, kale, corn, and cucumbers, that they would learn about those, and that would help them further in their education, and then they would eat them for snacks or for lunch. Yeah, I know that um, something that we briefly talked about this weekend was food deserts. And uh, not that Pasadena is necessarily a food desert, but there are certain neighborhoods where there's a lack of access to fresh fruits and vegetables, and there's a lack of education about healthy foods and how to eat healthy. And so part of what Harambe is doing is they are um, doing education on fresh vegetables, where they come from, how they grow, what the seasons are that they, are, that they come in, how to pr uh, trim them and eat them and wash them and all of those things. And so you were actually a part of planting those and making those happen. Um, what do you feel like the, the long-term effect is on these? The long-term effect is that these kids get to learn things that they wouldn't have if Harambe Ministries wasn't there, and they get to eat fresh vegetables, which is better than you know preservatives and all that. Yeah. So, That's yeah. amazing. So it looks like we're going to go to Ethan a little bit. You had talked about the lack of affordable housing in the area. Can you speak a little bit about that and then talk about one of the places that we went that really touched your soul? Um, so the, co the lack of affordable housing, uh, lots, lots of, um, because it's the main one, is because lots of, lots of homeless people doesn't have, doesn't have enough money to afford a house. Um, 
um, Union Station. We went to Union Station. Uh, it's a place where they provide shelter and food for people without homes. What kind of people did Union Station specific family services specifically um, help? They provide shelter for and food for families. Yeah, families and all all sorts of. So what did uh, what did we do there? Because I know that we we prepared some things, and then we went over there. Uh, we prepared a we pre prepared a meal for them. Mm -hmm. um, what about, was the meal? The meal was sandwiches, cookies, and <laughs> a capri sun. And some fruit. Yes. And some fruit. <laughs> oh yeah, and chips. Remember that healthy stuff we were talking about. <laughs> mm. um, and I was wondering if you knew how much it costs to feed. Because they have at least 50 people there. So do you know how much it costs for one meal a day there? Um, for, for, one, for 50 people? For 50 people, one meal for one meal uh, is about $200. Yeah, so if they're doing three meals a day, how much is that? Um, it's about $600. Yeah. Micah, you did the math about how much would that be a year to feed those people three meals a day? Uh, it was like almost 220000 a year. So. Yeah, it's almost $220,000 a year, and that's just to feed three meals a day for, for about 50 people. And so um, what, what meal did we take care of for Union Station so that way they didn't have to spend that money on those meals? It was sandwiches, so... <laughs> Does somebody else want to answer that? Uh, sure. Lunches. We, we, we made lunch. We made lunch for them. <laughs> um, and is this something that we can continue to do? Yes. In fact, a bunch of schools go over there and participate, too. Yeah. And um, what are other ways that people can continue to be involved with the after-school programs? Oh, if you're, like, really good in a subject, I guess, you could help tutor them. Yeah. Yeah, so there's more than just food and sandwiches. They actually have access for the entire family. So I know that we, we've been working a lot. We've been not sleeping a lot. But we have had an overload of information this whole weekend. And you guys have been learning so much. And I'm so grateful that you can teach us and teach everyone here a few of the things that you've been able to learn and be able to continue to apply in our lives and build this world. Yeah. It, uh, it does make me think how much hard work you all did this weekend and how much hard work our congregation actually does with all of the mission trips, the mission projects, and even something as simple as the love kit bags that are outside that we have. Um, because hard work um, and the work that you all do helps accomplish great things. And we saw in Nehemiah's age that they looked at the city and it was rebuilt. Hooray, it was actually <laughs> rebuilt. And they know that they had opposition. They know that it was a hard thing to do. And they knew all along that they were doing God's work. And I think that's what propelled them. And that also is something that propels us. And rebuilding is achieved not only because of the hard work that Nehemiah and the people did, but we achieved a lot of things this week. If you look back and see what we did. I think I took ourselves and paused. Every time we got a certain amount of space passed in the mustard unplanting, we looked back and went, oh wow, we actually did a lot. And it was amazing to see that we were able to do that. And so Hunter and Sophia have a little bit of a, of a charge for us past, you know, this, this building would not have been done had we, had we not done the work 
This building would not have been done had God not been powerful behind that work. Um, so before this weekend, I didn't realize that by serving for like just even two or three days, um, it could impact not only others, but also me. And then I didn't realize that it would be so such a good feeling. Um, during this trip, I, I realized to be grateful for what I have because most people don't have it um, nearly as good as we do. Um, we we have a house over our, we have a roof over our head and um, food and water um, something that we take for granted, but um, something that people have to work very hard for. Um, and we also I also learned that something as a, as small as a sandwich um, can can change someone's life. Mm-hmm. We're gonna pray and we're gonna move on with the rest of our worship. Thank you guys. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, our God, we are so thankful for this work that you have put before us. And this work that you have put before us is not necessarily easy and it's not necessarily hard because we know that whenever you're with us, you do grand things. And with those grand things, you're able to produce great fruit. And so especially the people that we worked with this weekend with Harambe Ministries, with Tree People, with Union Station Family Services, we were able to learn where you are at work, O Lord. And where you are at work, O Lord, we want to be. 